Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise the Lord, everyone. Hallelujah. Let's pray one more time. Ask God to touch us. Hallelujah. Let's pray. God of heaven, we love you today. We love and we thank you. And Father, we ask you from the very beginning to touch us, Lord God. Anoint us, anoint our minds, Lord Jesus. We praise you, God, for what you're going to do this very day. We love you. We thank you. We thank you for the honor that we have to enter in this house, Lord God, to partake of your word. Touch us. Touch our minds, our hearts, Lord God. We thank you for what you're going to do. Praise you, Jesus. Have your way, Lord God, I pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Our series is called The Revelation of God, and it's speaking of Israel as far as having um, God just chose Israel. I mean, it's truly a unique situation for all the people that there was alive, and God just chose Israel. But Today's lesson is the privilege of relationship with God, and it truly is a privilege to know God and to know who he is and to know who we are in relationship to this life and to what it means and to understand it in some small way of God actually loves us and created us with a purpose, not to just live and die and have no meaning and and not have no purpose in life. It is truly a privilege. But I was just thinking about this. I didn't have no scripture for this, but it's just the two, it talks about in Luke at the very end of the chapter in Luke of the two. This is after the crucifixion of the Lord. But it's what it's unique to me. The Bible says that two was walking from, from uh, Jerusalem uh, to Emmaus. Uh, when you look it up, it's about seven We'll just say about seven miles. And it says the Lord joined with them. Now, I don't know where in the process of that travel that the Lord joined with them, but the Bible says he expounded the scriptures to them. Now, this is Jesus himself talking to these two men. I don't know if they was disciples of the 12 or they was just disciples after. But anyway... What's unique is he's talking, they constrained him to eat. I guess they have got to the destination they was going. But the Bible says it like this, is Jesus took the bread, he blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And that's where their understanding was open. And you know, to me it's unique that we, we love the Bible, we read it, try to read it every day. We want to come. We want to have the Bible preached to us. And this was Jesus himself doing this. But it gives the, the reason that he 
blessed it, he broke it, and gave it to them, and that's where their understanding was open. So what I'm saying is this. Anytime we come into this house and have this word broken open before us, you can leave here with something that you need. It doesn't matter you know, where you're at in life, what you need, God knows it. You can come in and God knows us. He knows us where we're at, what we need in life. And no two persons are the same. So that is unique to me that in all of their miles that they travel, it wasn't open unto them until it was broken, it was blessed and broken, and then their understanding was open. So today's lesson is taken from in Exodus. Uh, the scriptures are five and six, but I just want to read the number four. I'm going to add number four to it. And this is some of uh, Moses' writings of which the Lord impressed him to write. Number four says, you have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how that I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall indeed be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Now, when you read that, here is God saying, I chose you above all people. And this is God just taking Israel. I'm going to use you as the benchmark to other nations. I'm going to teach them how to worship. I'm going to teach them how to live. And I'm going to use you on how to do it. And here is God saying that he chose them. Now, God is saying that he wanted to choose them. He desired a relationship with them. And he is choosing them. And they have left um, Egypt at this time and God wanted truly wanted a relationship with his people and even in that's what it's talking about is relationship the privilege of a relationship with God and throughout our lifetime we are regularly uh, around people that we have the privilege to develop relationship with the with people we're around but a lot of times we just don't um, see them you know we don't recognize the greatness due to they're just familiar to us they're just somebody that we see every day not really rec recognizing who they are and that's really that's um, and I'll leave you out of it that's just a deficit on my part but taking the time to get to know someone and realizing of who they are and where God is using them in the kingdom because nobody was just, can I say it like this, hired to warm a seat. God has a plan and a job for everyone. It is not that, that God just saying, I want you and you just to come in and, and fill a seat. That's not the case. God has a plan and a purpose for everyone. Everyone is unique in his. And when, you know, there is no way that we can think that no one don't have a purpose because they do. Because when we mentor or when we, uh, when we, as we say, give our testimony or when we uh, witness to someone and, and tell what the Lord has done for us, all we're really doing is telling someone about the relationship that we have with God.
And, and this is not, you know, I, how many times have you heard it? When you got married to your spouse, you know, it's according to how many, how many years you have lived together. Of course, you said you love them, but time has proved over the years that you really do love them. And, but if you, at the end of, I'll just use 30 years. At the end of 30 years, did, do you love them the same at the end of 30 years as the day you married them? Probably not. Because you've had 30 years to develop that love and to see that love grow. And it's the same way with the Lord. Really, uh, truly seeing how much and reading from the Bible just how much God loves us. Is, it, is I don't know if we'll fully understand just how much God loves us, but telling other people and witnessing to other people just what God has done for me and just how good he has been for me is something that I must do because living in a, uh, a day and age when truly it is all about me, it is all about me, it seems like the situation is, but the children of Israel received the greatest privilege ever offered to humanity is the, of a privilege of a relationship with God. They was chosen from all the people groups in the world, given the blueprints for worship, the privilege of communication with the Lord. God chose this to preserve scripture and to be called to be an example to the world and to evangelize to the world. The Bible says it like this, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, this verse emphasizes faith has got to be in there. You've got to do that. One at the very least must believe that God exists in order to even please him. And the truly unique thing about that, if you believe God exists, here's the thing. God will reward you for believing in him and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. All you, know, you got to do is put your faith in God and when you do, only God could do this. If you'll just believe that I am, as he just said, I will reward you accordingly. God knows the heart. He knows this is not just lip service. If you are fully believing that God is, and I'm not going just what these eyes see, God, I believe it. I, 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 I have no way to control it. If you believe, God rewards that. And only God can do that. And God will do that because the Bible tells us he will, that he is a rewarder. Faith is action lived out. We can't just say, you know, I, I, I just, I believe it and never do nothing. Faith lives this out. Action lives this out. Because if you believe God, you will. You know, it's the spirit of man and the spirit of God coming together to create this coming in action. We believe that. The people of Israel, I guess at times they was weak in the faith. They demonstrated an immature and weak faith. No sooner had they finished rejoicing over the miraculous crossing of the Red Sea and the, and the decimal. Uh, and, and the decimation of Pharaoh's army and the congregation was murmuring against Moses and Aaron. But you know, looking back at this, I just tell you, I ain't got no rocks. I'll leave all. To be honest with you, 
I dropped my rocks a long time ago. A long time ago, because they was probably going to be used against me. Because it's this. When we look back at situations like this, here they was. The Bible tells us they've been slaves for so long. They believed God was going to take them out. All they had known was slavery. And then all of a sudden, God, I say all of a sudden, it had been a long time. God sends a man to take them out. And then I'm not going to put my mouth against them. Humanity is humanity. You know what? I could be just like them. But all of a sudden, God does this miraculous thing at the Red Sea, and they see it with their eyes. But you know what? Humanity is humanity. And all of a sudden, they get a little ticked off, and they put their mouth against Moses and Aaron, and they, they just, you know, you know what? We've seen all that. You just brought us out here to die. At least in Egypt, we could have been fed. And I'm sure Moses is thinking, this is the people you want? <laughs> this is the people you chose? This is the people? So not a, I feel for both of them. I feel for Israel and I feel for Moses. Because here's Moses 40 years on the backside of the desert with God shaping, doing a little here and there to bring him to leadership position. And God does this miraculous stuff. He gets them out, takes them out of the Red Sea. Everything seems to be fine. Institutes the Passover, they're gone. Then all of a sudden, all these people is pointing fingers at him. The only reason that you brought us out here was that so we could die. I don't know what Moses must have felt, but I'm telling you, it took a faith like no other kind of faith there is to carry on and to believe that God was gonna do this. The Lord chose to be merciful in this situation. He sent quail in the evening and he gathered, uh, uh, he sent manna and truly this, this was a type, really when you look at it like this, where God was sending the quail in the evening and the manna in the morning, this took, this was a situation on getting them to develop faith. Because here, it, what is our nature? Okay, you're out in the middle of nowhere. I don't know. We, I've read that we have a tendency to look at a desert, a desert like sand. I, they, I've read, everything I've read said it wasn't sand. But anyway, here they are in a out of the way place. There's no Walmart on the corner. So all of a sudden you've got this food. But God is telling them, I'll say it one more time. We live in 24-hour cycles. God said, you get enough manna to last you for today. Faith is going to have to discipline you to do that. Because if you get more, worms is going to grow in it and it's going to stink. So you invite somebody in your tent. Oh, I got faith. What's that smell? What's that smell? I believe Moses. He's a man. But that smell, there's a smell that I... And God was teaching them, you've got to believe me. Get enough to supply today and I'll take care of the rest. And then we know that 
get enough for two only worked on the coming Sabbath. So we know this is God just developing his people. What? Just to trust him. Okay, they're out there. What am I going to do about tomorrow? What am I going to do about tomorrow? That's what, that's what I would say. Okay, here's today, but what about tomorrow? God was just saying, trust me for today. We'll take care of tomorrow, tomorrow. So the Lord was just, if you'll just trust me, God will be your protection, your food, and your water. We have to trust God regardless of life's circumstances. And us, just like Israel, sometimes that's hard to do. We have to literally forget what we're looking at and trust God. To have faith is to act accordingly to the promises of God. God told him he would do this. And faith, faith one thing it is not is, is being lazy. And it's just like, while the Bible says that he'll provide all my provisions, therefore I don't have to go to work. Well, read what Paul says about somebody that won't work. So it is not just being lazy. It's, it's doing it from a biblical point of view of having faith. It is doing what we should be doing. And now, I believe that having the faith, the Bible talks about it, it is putting ourselves in it, working among ourselves, believing God and doing everything we can to see that come to pass and God will do the rest because life is truly full of unanswered questions. It is, it really is, and uncertainty. And I've always said if, if life is just um, uncertain about some things, it's just life is uncertain. It's just uncertain. That's one certain thing about life. It's just uncertain. And, but we can choose to fill it with uns, uh, unanswered questions or we can believe God just to have the faith that God puts in us. And just like Israel, we have to be taught. We have to be disciplined. We have to discipline ourselves and not to just try to get more than we should, but to believe God for today. Allow God to trust us for today. It is truly a matter of choice. And we truly can trust God at all times. We have to trust God at all times, and we can. It is safe to give God our hearts. We can do it. We can do it. We can lower our barriers and allow the Holy Ghost to infiltrate our hearts and our minds and see God work with us. God is not an abusive father or a manipulative charlatan waiting to exploit us at our first indication of weakness. God's history, biblically and personality, is one of him looking out for our best interest. And I truly believe that. Now, the Lord set a stage in Israel respect in Exodus 19. It was a stage set to develop respect and to take their relationship to the next level. At this stage of development, the Lord was to make an authoritative statement with dramatic demonstrations that indeed introduce some fear. This fear, however, was not a toxic fear in the form of manipulation. It was to develop a healthy respect for their sacred aspects of their lives. Boundaries between the secular and the sacred had to be established, but God was preparing them for the introduction of his covenant is what he was doing. The new covenant founded in the blood of Jesus provides a close relationship with God. He came directly and revealed himself, and we know that 
to be in the body of Jesus Christ. Jesus' unreserved love made a way for our close relationship with him, making us a royal priesthood and giving us residence to his very own spirit. And that is truly the ultimate relationship, that God would impart his spirit in just sinful humanity. That is truly remarkable. When we ask forgiveness, take his name and then allow him to impart his spirit. The Bible says, but now he hath obtained a more excellent ministry by how also he is the mediator of a better covenant which he had established upon better promises. The law made men high priests which had some had an infirmity. They had to offer up sacrifices for the sins of their own sin first and then the people's sin. But Jesus, however, made one final sacrifice of himself, not needing to offer the sacrifice first for himself. He is both sacrificed, he was the sacrifice and the high priest. He was a spotless lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The giving of the law on Mount Sinai was a traumatic event characterized by tangible, visible, auto, and earthly phenomena. Now, Israel left Egypt. You remember at the Passover when they were still at Egypt. God said, this on the Passover, this was going to be the beginning of much to you. He, basically, God was going to change their calendar. And Israel left Egypt on the 15th day of the first month. They arrived at the foot of Sinai 45 days later, the 46th day, uh, God called Moses to the top of the mountain. He told the people to cleanse themselves, get ready for what was going to happen. And God, exactly 50 days, revealed himself. And we know that. 50 days later, God revealed himself. And we see that 50 days from their Passover later that he gave the law. And we know that on the day of Pentecost, it was 50 days after Passover that we see that. So God was just establishing this that we could have all of this according to what had been established. God was doing this. He was seeing this. The new covenant thus involves coming to a mount, but one that has humanized, actually has not seen those who have placed their, their faith in Jesus Christ arrive at Mount Zion, not Mount Sinai. We see that God is doing this. And now we have a royal priesthood and the church is a royal priesthood and a holy nation. The Bible says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and a holy nation. Now we no longer in the Old Testament, no longer need a priest to bring us. The Bible says you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. The priest of the Old Testament, including Aaron, the high priest, descended from Levi. Only descendants of Levi, fulfilling priestly privilege, could experience the fulfillment of ministering in the tabernacle or the temple. In the new covenant, we have been made a kingdom of priests unto God. We can engage in repentance, experience the cleansing of baptism, and enter into the Holy of Holies by the Holy Ghost. God originally entrusted the sacred duties of worship, evangelism, and preservation to the, to the uh, sacred Israel. After Israel rejected their Messiah, 
God turned to the Gentiles and invited them into the priesthood. Now that is truly remarkable. The church is now God's holy nation. All those who repent of their sins take Jesus' name in water baptism, receive the Holy Ghost. We now enjoy citizenship into the church. We can pursue as close and intense a relationship with God as we choose. God does not put a limit on how close you want to be with him. He does not. He does not. Now, the Old Testament served as a type and a shadow of what we have today, but God puts no limit on it. But Jesus Christ, the actual temple of God, provides the means for a mature and filling relationship with him. We experience fullness through God, through the Holy Ghost. These extraordinary people who obediently followed God's call without the benefit of God's revelation in Christ, nor enjoying of the Holy Ghost, these heroes, these heroes lived in lives obedient to faith. And that's why I speak of Moses and others through the Old Testament that lived this way. Jesus was the image of the invisible God. The fullness of God manifested in him. Now, today's technology offers us the opportunity to engage with loved ones through email, um, others, telephone contact, audiovisual apps when separated by distance. But there's really, it doesn't take away from just actually being with the ones that we love for just being with them. But there is no substitute for actually engaging the Spirit of God as he dwells inside of the New Testament ones. Thankfully, God is rich in mercy and gave us direct access to him through the new covenant. What he has done to us is truly remarkable. That took us and gave us redemption, offered us his spirit. It is truly remarkable and offered us a relationship with him. It is truly remarkable. We can have a relationship with him. And in closing, I want to tell, I come across this story here a while back, and I just want to, it's close to Christmas, and I just want to end with this. It was August the 16th, 1987. Northwest Airlines, Flight 255, was in Michigan, um, was getting ready to take off. They took off, and... Something just went wrong. They actually blamed it on pilot error. But there was 155 people on board. Um, not long after they took off, they were supposed to be well at like 600, I think they said 660 foot in the air. They was not even 50 foot in the air. And um, they hit a building wound up going down on a runway and um, two people on the ground was killed and everyone on board um, supposedly was killed. And, and when they got the check-in, uh, what had happened, um, the, when you see pictures of it, it, it is just, I mean, it's just chaos. I mean, because here's this plane, it's just through everywhere parts of the building, the vehicles, and everything. 
um, there's a guy that he, he said he's just rumbling through the debris and um, they have tarps covering everyone and he hears a moan and so what it is it's wound up being this little girl she's four years old and so they're looking and they're trying to figure out where this girl came from and so they're they can't figure out where the girl came from so they said she had to be here on the ground no one in the plane survived so they somehow I don't really know how they found out her name um, she was four so I don't know if she could tell them her name but they said that um, they went back and they just couldn't figure out where she came from so they went back and checked the, the manifest on the plane sure enough she was on the plane her mother and father and she had a brother that, that was on the plane and what they, um, she, the four-year-old girl now, has actually broke her silence. Her grandparents took her and went to Alabama with her and sheltered her from all of this. So nobody would, she wouldn't have to grow up with this. Um, but she has broke her silence. And so what happened was, was this. Um, her mother sense something was wrong and what she done is unstrapped and took that little girl and cased it knowing that I'm probably going to make it but I want you to live and the little girl did live and I thought about in the Bible where it says greater love has no man shown and that's exactly what God did for us. And it shows that little girl, she's got scars on her. That is a reminder of her mother past so she could live. And the relationship that we have for God. You want to know what Christmas means to me? Our God died so we could live. And that's what he does. He died so we could have a relationship with him. And just as this mother encased herself to save her daughter, um, God actually put that instinct in that mother to do that. But God is the one that puts them inside of us. He's the one that gives us the hope, the strength to do that. So God gives us that and just what Christmas means to me is just the ability to know God, the ability to have a relationship with God and, and to you I say Merry Christmas and may God bless you, keep you, keep you safe, bless you and keep you good. Let's stand and let's pray one more time. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. 
Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.